1: And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show tonight, of course, New York City, America, still in mourning over the shooting that took place on Friday. And as we're hearing more and more details, you know, I I don't understand, first of all, why the mother of the gunman who took the life of 22-year-old Jason Mora, and now we know the other officer, Wilbert, Uh, Wilbert Moore, rather, is clinging to life at this hour. And as we sit and hear about the stories of these two officers, and again, 22-year-old Jason Rivera, um, young guy, promising life, wanted to help the community, wanted to give back, you wonder, wait a minute, what did she know and what did she maybe not share with authorities? Obviously, things happen quick, but we know That her son had a history of violence. We know that her son had a a lot of problems with police. I mean, he had many run-ins. He had at least half a dozen arrests. Her son, 47-year-old LaShawn McNeil, um, who died today, was arrested at least half a dozen times for serious offenses, including drugs, assault, including assault on a police officer. And when you look at his rap sheet, you kind of go, wait a minute. First of all, what was he walking free for? I don't think he ever should have even been out. And then also, did she tell the cops, these young cops who came on the scene, who had such promising lives? And again, at this hour, Wilbert Moore, clinging to life at NYU Langone. And of course, our thoughts and prayers are with him. There's a big vigil taking place tonight. The whole country is praying that he's going to pull through. But... His attacker and the one who killed his partner, it looks like the longest rap sheet ever. You kind of go, well, what was this guy doing out? And did the mother also tell the cops, well, he had an affinity for guns because he seemed to be obsessed with guns. He used to talk about it on social media. He used to, like, talk about it even with his mother, apparently. The mother says that she didn't know that he had the guns at the time. But it would be interesting to find out. Did she know that he had guns or the possibility he had a gun? Because he did have arrests for guns in the past. And the reason I bring that up is when those two young cops were heading down the hallway towards the bedroom at the end of the hallway, did they know they were facing somebody who had gun charges? Maybe in their mind something else would have done something and they might have prevented. They might have said, wait, 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 maybe we shouldn't go back here. I mean, there's a lot of questions still tonight. And we know that the mother of the killer is apologizing, you know, saying she didn't anticipate this. But then if you look at the guy's rap sheet, a lot of people could have anticipated this, that this guy apparently has had assault with police officers in the past, has had a lot of problems with the law in the past. And I think she had a responsibility to say to the cops when they came to the scene, you know what? Be careful, guys. This guy has an infatuation with guns. This guy has had a history of gun charges. This is my son. Take a look at his rap sheet. He definitely has violence in his past. Did she say any of those things, or did they think that they were just going back to talk to her son, who was having a disagreement with her that night? How much information did they know, and how much information did she tell them? I think she has an obligation to have told them that he clearly had major, major problems in his past. And that is what I think it's important to talk about tonight here on The Rita Cosby Show. By the way, coming up in just a little bit, we will be talking to former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer to get his take on all of this, because today was a big day with Eric Adams, of course, the new mayor. He has not even been on the job for a month. And he came out today with his new plan on getting tough on crime. And I want to get your take on this, too, as well, because obviously, look, at the end of the day, this guy is responsible, LaShawn McNeil. But do we also have an obligation to keep citizens safe and, most importantly, also to keep our cops safe? This has been a horrible time for police officers in our country. There have been 346 officers shot in 2021. That's in one year. 346 officers shot, intentionally shot. I mean, that is frightening. Ambush-style attacks on cops are up 117% in this country. That is a huge problem. And I contest that a lot of it is this defund the police rhetoric. A lot of it is the policies that we're seeing from politicians And I was happy to see that even some of those progressive politicians over the weekend were tweeting our thoughts and prayers or, of course, with the family of Jason Rivera and with also Wilbert Mora, um, you know, but and with NYPD and the 32nd Precinct. But where were they when those discussions were coming up about defunding the police? Some of them were pushing it. None of them were really condemning the riots of 2020. We have a vice president right now in office who is actually bailing out these people who are attacking police and attacking businesses. What message does that send? And I contend tonight that you look at the statistics which are so dangerous for police officers, left and right. And when everything was breaking on Friday night when we were here on the show and news was coming in fast and furious, a number of you were calling in and saying, you know, remember the time when that brick was thrown at the officer and nothing happened to that person? I do, and you know the NYPD does. Remember the times where people were coming by and throwing water at the police officers? Remember that scene where they were throwing a bucket at water and they couldn't do anything? They were basically told to stand down. How do you think that that helps not only crime fighting, but how do you think that that also potentially exacerbates these people who want to go up against the police? They're emboldened. And then you have DAs like Alvin Bragg, who tonight there reports that he was kind of apologizing to a citizen's commission, but then yet a couple days before he was doubling down, it's like he can't keep his story straight or it depends on who he's talking to, that they maybe misunderstood the memo. Uh, The memo is what it says, and unless his actions show otherwise, we're going to trust his actions, you know, because guess what? His rhetoric has been highly, highly inflammatory. So today we heard Eric Adams, who is going to be going on a big, big press tour tomorrow. By the way, you got to make sure you tune in to Bernie and Sid tomorrow. He's going to be on at 830 in the morning. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear it. He's going to be doing MSNBC and CNN. He's been all over the place over the weekend, too. And he had rolled out today, just a few hours ago, basically his plan for public safety. And I think there's some good things in there, you guys. We're going to get to that in a moment because there are some good things in there. I like some of the things he said, but I don't think it went far enough. And most of the time, he basically went after gun violence. I wanted to hear the word thugs, go after the thugs and throw away the keys. He did say he would... Re-examine bail reform. I was happy to at least hear that. But most of the time it was guns, guns, guns. And I wanted to hear more about the people who pull the trigger. And what about the rap sheets? And what are you going to do about Alvin Bragg? And what are you going to do about the governor? What are you going to do about all these policies that are in New York in place right now? No matter how much you talk tough, no matter how much you do some changes, if they don't change their ways when they get before, they're going to be back out on the streets like this monster, LaShawn McNeil. Here is Eric Adams just a little bit ago talking about, again, gun violence as the root cause.
2: But no matter how effectively we get guns off our streets, more just keep coming in. The Iron Pipeline keeps them coming. The gun violence crisis has hit New York City painfully, but we are far from alone. In the wake of covid Major cities and localities nationwide have seen alarming rises in shootings, gun incidents, and violence. Gun violence is a public health crisis, and it is one that must be addressed at every level of government.
1: And that includes also the district attorneys. And that's why we got to get tough with these DAs. We have to say enough. What does it take? You have a fallen police officer and now you have one clinging to life right now what what more does it take this is the fifth shooting that's happened in the last 3 weeks of our precious NYPD by the way there was a shooting in Houston too where a deputy lost his life in the last 24 hours i mean it's happening across the country there was a, a deputy in LA also who was shot at luckily he survived but this is happening time and time again And these Democratic progressives try to pass the buck and say, oh, no, no, no. And in fact, there was even a tweet over the weekend from one of the politicians who said, you know, we're so sorry for the loss of life of both families. And at that point, they were referring to not just the cop, but they thought there was a report that the killer had died. And I'm sorry. I don't really feel sorry for anybody attached to the killer at that moment. Especially as I'm hearing more of the details that he just kept shooting at the cops as they were laying down. Somehow I don't have any compassion, really, for him at that moment. And I I have a hard time having compassion for him at all, given the circumstances. And I have a hard time having compassion for any of the judges that let him out, not just in this area, but also in other areas where he was from. And we see, like, it's in, in South Carolina, Pennsylvania. I mean, it's all over the place. Why was this guy walking the streets? Well, I'm happy to see that at least Eric Adams is talking a little tougher because, boy, we got to get tough with crime that's happening here in our city and across the country. He also said that he will take part in funeral services that are going to happen later this week for heroic NYPD officer Jason Rivera.
2: On Friday, Officer Jason Rivera will be laid to rest. I will be there as a city we will mourn together. We will celebrate his life and pay tribute to his heroism. And in his memory and in the memory of all those who have been killed by gun violence, New York, we will rise again, rise up to protect each other, rise up to defeat gun violence, rise up to defend the way of peace and the work of prosperity. This is our moment. This is our city.
1: It is our moment, and that's why I think any of these soft-on-crime DAs need a huge, huge wake-up call. And it's just heartbreaking when you hear the details about Jason Rivera. Here he is, a 22-year-old young cop on the job, newly married, um, and one of these guys who said that he was unhappy with some of the police practices of stop-and-frisk and some other things, and that's why he actually joined the force. Um, because he said he wanted to join the force to be a bridge builder to make a difference. this was a guy who was trying to give back to his community and just try to do the right things and just had a beautiful heart. Here is a message that he put up on his Instagram trying to inspire the high school kids from the school that he went to.
3: High school is high school like you know what we don't we don't like it but we still have to do it all right and I want y'all to do it. Because when I was a freshman, I didn't have no one to motivate me. I want to motivate y'all. I want y'all to, to, like, to hear me, hear my voice, and know that, yo, y'all, y'all going to get through it. Y'all going to get through it. you got to put in the work. Y'all got to put in 100% effort. And you know what? If it takes some time after school, uh, you know, so be it. Because you got to do it. If you don't do it, you're not going to make it nowhere in life, all right? So, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with just saying, you know what, you could do it. I did it. All my all my fellow classmates yeah. did it. You definitely could do. It, all right. So, so stay strong. Uh, do good in your schools and and trust me, you'll be finished soon. It goes by like that. All right. Peace.
1: What a beautiful soul. When we get back, we're gonna take your calls. First of all. The killer's mother, did she have a responsibility to tell the cops that her son was loony-kazuni, had a lot of problems, and had a violent background and definitely an effectuation with guns? Was that told? And did she say, wait, maybe you don't want to go back there. My son is obsessed with guns. He had a problem with assaulting an officer. So maybe they thought they were just going on a routine call and they might have thought otherwise had they given that, had that information not come to them. And it doesn't sound like they did get it. It sounds like she just didn't understand. She said, oh, my son's back there. And they went back there. Maybe she should have said, hey, stop. Let me tell you a little bit about my son that's in the back room. This is not a normal case. This is not, did she do that? We don't hear that she did. So I actually think she absolutely should have informed the police. Because then they would have had a better idea of what they were approaching potentially in that back room. And also... I also think that soft on crime DAs have to have a major wake up call. And I'm glad Eric Adams is talking about getting tough, but not just with the guns. Let's get tough with the gun users and with those who are committing repeat offenses over and over again. What are you going to do with Alvin Bragg? What are your thoughts, Eric Adams? Are you going to have a heart to heart? 1 800 848
0: 9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show.
1: about Eric Adams coming out and talking tough on going after crime, but mostly going after those with illegal guns. Obviously, that's an important component, but not all of it. And the other thing is he said, I will look at bail reform. I think that that's the heart of it. And I also wonder, what roles do citizens have? And first of all, reporting crimes and also the mother Of this guy who passed away today, this is LaShawn McNeil, the gunman, the killer of Jason Rivera and the shooter of Wilbert Mora. Arrested more than half a dozen times for assault with an officer, drugs, gun. Had an affix, very much attracted to guns, had a gun history. If you look on his social media page, it's all over the place. So what responsibility did the mother have to tell cops of the scene that they were walking into? one 800 one 800 let us go to Johnny in Long Beach. Johnny, your thoughts?
4: We don't 100% right on this because this guy was a dirtbag to begin with. The mom knew when he came there that he uh, had guns.
1: And she told him, don't bring guns into the house. Exactly. She knew that he had a problem and she didn't do anything about it. Um, And did she? I mean, she said something to him. But now when authorities come, don't you think you should mention that? Um, Let's go to Tom in Nassau County real quick. Tom, your thoughts.
5: Yes. It's a responsibility. There was a gun under his bed.
6: She knows what's going on here. What kind of mother is she? You have kids. You have um, kids. This guy's a grown man. You know his whole track record. You have to give the police every bit of information possible. And I feel bad for this, this young cop that got killed. He's never going to have a family, never
1: have kids. He's gone. Oh, it Tom, I agree that, with you. It, right. it is so heartbreaking. And you're right. What information did she tell authorities or what information did she not tell authorities? And these young cops, as you point out, one who tragically lost his life. We're going to talk to former New York City Police Commissioner, Howard Safer after the break.
0: Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue, the Westfield Police Department in New Jersey has announced that they're tremendously concerned with the rising trend of drug use within their community. Officers John Swiderski and Joseph Natalie recently revived a 43-year-old male. It was also Officer Natalie's second overdose revival in the last seven days. And they basically said that in the last five years, more than 500 people have died in Union County, New Jersey alone. Uh, Do to the opioid epidemic. So really a problem, and they're also heralding their officers for trying to do what they can to help members of their community deal with this very, very serious problem. Well, Eric Adams came out today talking about the rising crime that is really not just hitting New York City, but certainly across the country. But, of course, the whole country is in mourning after the death of New York City police officer Jason Rivera and also... His partner, Wilbert Mora, who is still clinging to life at this hour at a local hospital at NYU Langone. And as we're hearing about this, Eric Adams said he is going to get tough. He is going to fight crime in this city. Take a listen.
3: High school is high school.
2: We are going to do a lot more than pray. We're going to turn our pain into purpose. We're going to unite and take action. New York is as if a sea of violence is engulfing our city. But as your mayor, I promise you, I will not let this happen.
1: And he said the solution for it is going after illegal guns. Listen, there are a lot of illegal guns, but it's also a time where there are people who are worried about protecting themselves. Many people with legal guns also trying to be careful But also, New York has very, very strict gun laws, as we know. But Eric Adams said the solution is basically going after the guns on the street. And he recited some numbers.
2: Since January 1st, when I took office, our officers have taken 350 illegal guns off the street. Last year, over 6,000 guns were confiscated. Our officers are doing heroic work getting guns off the streets. But traffickers keep the guns coming. That must end. We must stop the flow of illegal guns in our city. The iron pipeline must be broken.
1: What about also, though, going after the repeat offenders? Obviously, you want to get illegal guns off the street. But Congressman Peter King, the former congressman who we always have here on WABC, who we love, said the solution is not just that, that there were even more guns under Rudy Giuliani. But the difference was, is that Rudy Giuliani also talked about locking up the perpetrators, especially the repeat offenders, that that's where Rudy Giuliani was extremely effective he and also his police commissioners locking up and letting criminals know that they can't get away with it. Take a listen to what Congressman Peter King had to say.
7: I agree with Mayor Adams that there's too many illegal guns in New York, but there's always too many illegal guns in New York. When Rudy Giuliani took over, they think there were two million illegal guns in New York, but that didn't stop him. They did it by stop and frisk, by going into the communities where guns were the uh, uh, most prevalent by getting the guns out of the bad guy's hands. And as a result of that, not only were many guns taken away, but those who had guns were afraid to bring them out in the street because they were afraid that the cops would get them.
1: And joining us now is former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer. Commissioner Safer, you and I have not talked since this terrible murder, this killing of a police officer, another one clinging to life. Your thoughts about this?
6: Well, uh, it's a horrible tragedy, but but unfortunately predictable, based on <clears throat> what's been happening relative to defunding police. The no bail—I mean, the individual McNeil who committed th- these horrendous acts had previous assaults on police officers, had previous drug arrests, uh, had a long rap sheet, and is back out on the street. It's this continual revolving door where people commit crimes, are let out on bail. Are given light sentences and go right back out on the street, and it ends up in this horrendous tragedy uh, where Officer Rivera was killed and Officer Mora is in critical condition. It's, it's it's a disgrace.
1: How much do you believe this sort of defund the police and this rhetoric, and also this soft on crime policies by many DAs across the country?
6: Well, what's happened is you know the, the District Attorney in Manhattan. DA Bragg has sent a message to criminals, you can commit crimes with impunity, you're not going to get bail, you're not going to get sent to jail, and when you send that message to criminals, they have no fear of being held accountable for their crimes, and that has got to change.
1: You know, um, D.A. Bragg, there's a story tonight, Commissioner, um, that he had an interview with the Citizens Crime Commission. It's sort of a nonprofit research group specializing in criminal justice and public safety. And he said, you know, I apologize that maybe there was a misunderstanding. You know, he's sort of said that before and then he's doubled down before. He seems to be playing a bit of semantics. What's your reaction to that?
6: Well, you know, he's taken a tremendous amount of heat. People are talking about recall asking the governor to fire him, which he could do. So uh, I think, you know, he's trying to uh, walk back what he really believes, I think, which is less people in jail and less prosecutions, and that's outrageous.
1: Yeah, and it seems like he, it depends who he's talking to when he's putting out that message, too, It's a, you know which is very concerning, too. Um, we are talking to former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer, the great uh, commissioner uh, for many years for the NYPD. And Commissioner Safer, I want to ask you about Eric Adams today because the mayor came out. And he did say he was going to, they were going to re-examine bail reform. I was happy to hear that. Um, Also saying that he's going to bring in sort of some form of the plainclothes unit, although they will be identified as cops. So I don't know how effective they can be. I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, And also he came out basically, you know, targeting uh, guns, but I didn't hear a lot on sort of, you know, I heard a little bit of rhetoric, but not a lot on really getting tough on the gun users.
6: Well, you know, he's only one third of the criminal justice system. Uh, the police can present cases to the district attorneys, but if they're not going to be prosecuted as serious felonies, it's not going to work. But I was encouraged by uh, Mayor Adams. So uh, talking about reinstating the plainclothes units, how that's going to work with partial identification is somewhat questionable, and we'll just have to see how it goes. He also said he's going to put a lot more cops in the subways and on the street, and that's a that's a great message. You know, the message we need to send to criminals is that you need to fear the police. The public should, certainly doesn't need to fear the police, but criminals should. Right now, they're not, and that's part of the problem.
1: Can he turn this around, Commissioner Safer, because as you point out, he's still got D.A. Alvin Bragg. He's got many others who believe the same philosophy as Alvin Bragg.
6: Well, he can certainly put fear in the uh, hearts of criminals that they're going to be at least arrested. Uh, you know, until uh, Mayor Adams was elected, uh, Mayor de Blasio sent a clear message that you could do whatever you want in the city and there'd be no accountability. I think Mayor Adams is saying the right things. We'll just have to wait and see how that works out because, you know, plain, in my view at least, plain clothes units need to be just that, plain clothes units where the criminals do not know who they are. And fear that if they commit a crime, there's going to be a plainclothes unit around to arrest them and take their guns and drugs away and put them in jail.
1: I agree, because it seems like Commissioner Safe is trying to kind of have it both ways, if you will, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring back the plainclothes unit. But then it really isn't a plainclothes unit if they know it's cops coming, you know, especially when they come out, they'll have body cam. They'll be aware that they are police officers. How is that plainclothes?
6: Yeah, it it really is a hybrid, and it remains to be seen how it'll work. I'm on Mayor Adams' side. I want him to be successful. I want him to help reduce crime and change the city back to the way it was uh, before Mayor de Blasio, the safest large city in America. So I'm supportive of anything that he's doing to increase police presence and accountability.
1: Yeah, me too. Is it time, though, that he has to get tough and make the message very clear to everybody to get on the same page?
6: Oh, absolutely. He needs to make sure that, uh, you know, I was a very encouraged when uh, new Commissioner Sewell uh, spoke out against uh, Alvin Bragg's policies, and I would hope that the mayor would do the same. Uh, we absolutely really are at a tipping point now where we have a mayor who can turn things around. We have to get this district attorney either on board or gone. And the governor has to be supportive and the federal government has to be supportive of the city as well.
1: No, you're right. It has to be uh, an all-encompassing. You know, we get questions often from our listeners and someone tweeted me a a question. I want to give it to you, Commissioner Safer. Um, This is uh, from someone outside of New York. They said that they have constitutional carry in Idaho. And she said, I can tell you, I feel safer. New Yorkers need less gun laws and more freedom to protect themselves. What do you say to somebody like that? And also, you know, at a time where there is escalating crime right now, there's a lot of people who are concerned about break-ins to their homes or to their businesses.
6: Well, you know, I believe that people have a right to defend themselves. I believe in the Second Amendment. Uh, I also believe that What we have to do is deal with guns that are diverted. You know, 99 percent of guns that are used in crimes are legally purchased and then diverted to criminals. And we need to make sure that gun dealers who are making a living selling guns to criminals from places like Virginia and South Carolina to New Yorkers, that they'll be be held accountable. And the way to do that is to use alcohol, tobacco and firearms, the federal agency that controls weapons through interstate commerce. So, you know, we we need a holistic approach, but I'm not in favor of taking guns away from legitimate citizens. I am very much in favor of making sure they don't get into the hands of criminals. Uh, One of the things that I proposed and the NRA opposed, of course, was that we have a yearly requirement that people who possess weapons uh, legally uh, bring them in for a safety check So that the police can know that they still have those weapons. Uh, I also believe that uh, people who own weapons should have insurance. I mean, you you have to have insurance on the car. Why shouldn't you have insurance on on a weapon?
1: Yeah, that's a really powerful point, actually. And also keeping track of them, too, that way and making sure, like as you said, they are in the correct hands. Um, That's a that's a really powerful idea. Um, Former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer, so great to have you here. And I know that we'll be talking a lot more about this in the days to come.
6: Always good to be with you, Rita.
1: Thank you so much, Commissioner Safer. Really interesting, too, his thoughts that if you own a gun, maybe you report it once a year to make sure that it is kept track of so there's not these straw buyers who are buying it and then giving it to somebody illegally. Uh, And on the other hand, Also saying it's a lot of rhetoric coming from Alvin Bragg. And that's what we're seeing. And that rhetoric is extremely, extremely dangerous, I think. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David in Los Angeles. David, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts?
6: Here's some questions I hate to have to ask. I wonder what the NYPD policy is when they show up for domestic violence like this. Because you figure they would have had his name. I'm sure the mom gave. They ask on 911 for the person's name, and then you run it, and you see he's got that violent law rap sheet. And uh, you know, I would have had the guy. I mean, what what is the policy? You get a lot of young people without experience, and to to to, to walk back there through that hallway sauntering by with their guns drawn. Uh, you know, they should have had him come out to the front door. So I wonder what the policy is. I hope it didn't get too soft, you know, to send them out like social workers when they should have been coming out like police. So it is tragic.
1: Yeah, and I then, like on, the, and then on the other hand, David, listen, I hate to also put anything, but they are looking at training. You also wonder, what did the mother say? Because maybe the mother said, oh, no problems, or you know, no matter what, he's fine. He's just back there. He doesn't have any guns, or he doesn't have anything, or he doesn't have any history. We don't know what information. You bring up a good point. We don't know what information was given to the cops beforehand, because you're right. They could have maybe seen the prior's. Um, And also, you don't know what the mother said or didn't say. From what we're hearing, it does not sound like she gave them that information. Um, And now she feels terrible. But it would have been nice if she said, wait a minute, my son has an asphyxiation, has a a clear passion for, for guns. Um, And you're right. Domestic violence calls, by the way, are the most difficult because they're always the hardest because there's such passion running high uh, on all sides. And you never know when someone's going to snap or do something and particularly somebody with this background. But nobody, uh, you know, it sounds like could have obviously foreseen that this guy was going to come out with guns blazing and and continue to shoot them even after they were down. I mean, it's just horrible, horrible details. Um, Let's go to Alan in the Bronx. Alan, your thoughts real quick.
8: Uh, actually um it's lq god bless you hey lq uh, how much... are you lq fine thank you uh much prayers to all especially the deceased officers um uh family uh just two other things real fast uh 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 our friend norman went to washington avenue uh, washington dc that a uh, um mass mandate rally and was attacked you know like a racial attack. He's all right, but uh, shook up.
1: Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Well, I hope he's going to be okay. That's really, really a shame. Wow.
8: Yeah. Um. Also, as a caller just previously said, uh, that police, them police officers should, I know they were rookies, but they should have scanned something and seen that this, um, that the police police officer had been to the house before. So I don't know how they didn't know that she was a correction officer. And if she's a correction officer, a gun could have been involved and Although by just- the way,
1: by the way, I'll also play devil's advocate there um, mm-hmm. LQ because um, if indeed and we were hearing reports yeah that she was a corrections officer and if indeed whatever it is, she they would probably give even more credence to what she said. So to me, it even shows that she probably did not clearly say. I don't think they would have gone back to the room had she said, listen, my son has a gun violence history. He's, he's violent. He's attacked me. He's attacked, you know, other members of the family. He's got assault of an officer, all these things. Um, maybe they put even more credence into what she was saying because of her background, too, if indeed that's the case, you know, because there were reports of that. And you're right. Um, but then if you have a law enforcement person who tells you that, And clearly, it doesn't sound like she gave them that information about, and I think think it's horrible. I mean, you can't, officers at that moment have to just make a snap decision, and they're thinking they're going back to someone clearly. And it sounds to me like they absolutely did not have the full information, because I don't think they would have walked back there had they had that. And so I don't think they provided it to them, whether it was through records, whether it was through her telling them. I mean, there's clearly a lot of unanswered questions, and regardless, who could have ever prepared For this moment, but the mother should have absolutely said, Hey, wait a minute. I don't think maybe you should go back there. He's got this, he's got this, he's got that. I mean, there's a lot of questions tonight. We're going to continue with your calls on all of this, everybody. And it's just a heartbreaking situation. And most importantly, we got to look at these repeat offenders because we can't have killers like this guy who continues to be assault and violence. You look at all the history. Why was this guy out? Why were the cops not warned about him? Why was he even out on the streets? We have to do something to protect our officers. 1-800-848-9222.
0: This is The Rita Cosby Show.
1: talking about Eric Adams saying he's going to get tough, particularly on those with the illegal guns. And that was a message also that Governor Kathy Hochul had after this terrible shooting of the two cops on Friday. But also, it just, it's a resounding call to action to say those in Washington who will not heed the call, whether it was the children of Sandy Hook who were slaughtered in their classroom, and continue up to this day. We have to do more to fight the scourge of illegal guns on our streets, and we need Washington teaming up with us, teaming up locals to get it done. And you can clean up guns on the street, but you also have to make sure that you get those who do crimes with guns or without guns that they pay a dear price. And how are you going to do that when you got a soft on crime DA in Manhattan like Alvin Bragg? We've all
9: seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest, and people say, Well, how this happened, how that assault happened. Well, there were seven prior times with that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to
0: services.
1: Yes, yes.
9: This is going to make us safer. It- it's intuitive, it's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback.
1: Yeah, people don't understand the pushback. Are you kidding me? Alvin Bragg who continues to lower offenses, also say that assault on a police officer will no longer be an offense, that's prosecutable, how does that help this climate? It is particularly dangerous, I think. Let's go to Karen in Rockland County. Karen, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead.
4: Hi, how are you? you This cop uh, grew up uh, in Inwood where I, I mean, he lived, lived in the area where I grew up in Inwood. And I feel so bad. His speech should be reverberating in the halls of Congress, in all the mayor's offices, in all the high schools and universities, because it was a beautiful speech.
1: I agree, Karen. By the way, I agree. I thought it was amazing, and I thought it was so powerful. And what an amazing young man, the kind of guy that exemplifies the best of the best, the NYPD. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to continue talking about this and also federal government responses, which seem numb. Same thing. Let's go after the guns. What about after the killers? What about after the thugs? It has to be an all-encompassing response.
0: Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to War Zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show.
1: I know your name is Rita your perfume smelling sweet since when I saw you down on the floor. Guitar, and sadly, what's happening in New York is happening across the country. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Crime is rising at an enormous rate and in many Democratic-led cities. And I don't think it's any coincidence because I think a number of the policies that were in place and in some places continue to be in place are exacerbating it, making it difficult for cops. Of course, we know that one amazing, heroic 22-year-old cop Jason Rivera was killed on Friday night, his partner still fighting for his life at this hour at a hospital, Uh, a tragic, tragic ordeal in New York. And of course, it's happening across the country. And Eric Adams today laid out his plan, including what he says is sort of his version of a plainclothes police unit. But it's not really a plainclothes police unit because they're going to be able to have body cams and they're also going to have... Um, basically, IDs, they will be able to see their badge. So it's not really going to be plain clothes. How's that going to be plain clothes? It's like the whole idea of a plain clothes is they're undercover. Maybe they're undercover if they're driving up in a car that's not marked, but the minute they get out and they see a camera rolling, I think they're going to figure out and they see their badge that they're cops. So he's kind of trying to have it both ways, as I was talking about with Howard Safer. And Eric Adams, yes, he is definitely talking tougher than Mayor Bill de Blasio is. But take a listen to where he's pointing some of the fingers to as well, because he basically is standing by President Biden's overall policy and saying maybe Republicans are to blame.
2: We have a great deal of support in Washington for our cause. I am thankful for all the support we have gotten from President Joe Biden and his entire administration. He understands what is at stake. But with an opposition party who is dedicated to only that, Opposition, we must find other ways.
1: And by the way, coming up in just a few minutes, we are going to talk to conservative commentator, also author and filmmaker, Dinesh D'Souza, to get his take on how President Biden is doing. Uh, He's got his hands full, not just with these policies, with crime, skyrocketing, inflation, foreign policy, lots of big issues. And are we on the brink of war with Russia and Ukraine? And what role does America play? And also some of Biden's fumbles. We're going to talk about that. And you're not going to believe what President Biden said to Peter Ducey of Fox News, what he called him. We're going to talk about that and a lot more also after the break. But we are continuing to talk about the skyrocketing crime rate that has been just ravaging this country. And Peter Ducey also got a chance to talk to Jen Psaki about that today.
9: He's been here in office for more than a year, and the murder rate is nearing a 25-year high. So why don't we see and hear more from the president about this? We hear all the time about things that you guys are doing to fight the pandemic because that is a risk to American people. A rising murder rate is a risk to American people, too, right?
10: And he has spoken to crime. But I think what people are most uh, uh, focused on, as they should be, are what actions he has taken. He has unveiled a strategy to focus federal law enforcement resources on combating violence. violent crime, offered unprecedented levels of funding through the rescue plan for cities and states to put more cops on the beat, and invest in uh, proven community anti-violence programs, something every Republican voted against. The Department of Justice has announced $139 million in grants to cities for community policing, which will put 1,000 more officers on the streets. He's also proposed doubling those grants, and he's called for an additional $750 million for federal law enforcement. He's announced a zero-tolerance policy for gun dealers who sell willfully, uh, willfully sell illegal guns and we've launched gun trafficking strike forces in new york and cities across the country actions are important here and he has a long record of them
1: and then peter Ducey followed up with this but
9: does the president think that any of that is working
10: the president thinks you should have a plan to address crime and gun violence he has one and we look forward to working with people who support that effort
1: And you can tell now the message is gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. And listen, you want to get illegal guns off the street. That's the message from Eric Adams. That's the message from the federal government. You can tell it's sort of this uniform message. What about are you going to do with these DAs who are soft on crime? What about these ultra-progressives like George Gascon? Take a listen. This is the DA in Los Angeles, like Alvin Bragg in New York. Listen to some of his rhetoric.
6: People still serve lengthy sentences for serious crimes. But by eliminating the enhancements, we ensure people have at least a chance to show that they have grown and changed over
1: time. That kind of message, I think, is so detrimental. How are you going to get tough and get the guns off the street, say we're going to go after the guys, and then they go before a DA like this guy, and they're right back out on the street? It's all rhetoric if you can't change the system. And this is Peter King today, who went after the rhetoric from the progressive left.
7: What's happening now in New York is a direct result of one bail reform, but even more than that, the George Floyd riots. After George Floyd died, we had riots all over New York City, even though the incident happened in Minnesota, and even though the New York City cops have saved thousands and thousands Mm -hmm. of black lives in the last 15 to 20 years. Mm People were throwing rocks at them, Molotov cocktails and bricks, and virtually every progressive Democratic politician stood with the rioters. I remember the day after cops had Molotov cocktails thrown at them, Governor Cuomo was down in Brooklyn and said he was proud to stand with the rioters. Mm -hmm. Our attorney general, Chish James, said that police uh, behavior is systemically racist or inherently racist.
1: Yeah. How are you going to handle it when you get that kind of rhetoric? How do you change the system. It's 1 800 848 9222. 1 800 848 9222. Let's go to Peter in Staten Island. Peter, your thoughts about this. Go ahead.
4: Hi, Rita. I got a lot to say. First of all, I've been seeing an improvement. I live in a very, very, very bad neighborhood in Staten Island. I live on Jersey Street. It's well known. Curtis knows it well. There's a, a, a Sharpton's the headquarters, which he doesn't come to, but there's a headquarters. Right here. I've seen an improvement in about the last week. I see undercover police in undercover cars, and the cars aren't even the usual undercover cars. They're using cars like uh, Oldsmobiles and, you know, like things that never were before, Hondas. And uh, they're out here, and a lot they put a lot of uh, cars with the lights on that are empty, but they have cameras in them, so they're monitoring the area, and they also have the gunshot.
1: By the way, so that's I'm great to hear. That's great to hear. Do you now? Let me ask you, what do you make of some of the comments, though? Um, you know, we've got. The, the mayor, who, by the way, you know, we all want him to be extremely successful because we want New York and we want all the cities across America to be successful and fight crime. Right. But how do we turn it around when you get the – and I think, listen, the NYPD is the best force in the world. How do we support them and how do we make sure that when they arrest somebody, then you've got a DA like an Alvin Bragg or a Gascon who their whole focus seems to be on sympathizing with the criminal – and, you know, and not the victims.
4: Well, you had one of the greatest commissioners on right now, Howard Schaefer. Yep. And, of course, my top guy is Ray Kelly. Now, listen, Eric Adams don't have to announce it. But I think he should meet with, uh, including yourself, the radio host of WABC, who are brilliant and know what's really going on, especially with Dominic, uh, Mayor Giuliani, Curtis Sleever. Meet with them, talk to them, get their ideas and use them. This whole thing, you could solve it with rewards. The city of New York has a lot of money. We've got all kinds of money out there for everything. But, but you that, have that, to that, have, that have that the money. will.
1: Hey, Peter, by the way, I think your idea is a great idea, but you have to have the will and you have to have the enforcement on the back end. Otherwise, it's just words, you know, And and that's why. I want him to be successful, but right now I want to see if he's going to walk the walk and will he be able to put any pressure on Alvin Bragg. Um, let's go to Kevin in Boston. Kevin, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts?
4: Rita, Rita, my heart cries out. this At this time last night, early Sunday morning, uh, outside Houston, Harrison County, An officer ambushed the minute he got out of his car on uh, his um, cruiser pummeled with bullets. Um, Charles Galloway lost his life, a veteran of the force.
1: Well, and that's why, Kevin, you know, that's why because of what we saw in Houston, and that was so terrible, too. And what happened to these, you know, two precious officers, one, again, still clinging to life right now. um, We need to say to these folks who have this rhetoric, enough. You can't this this defund this police, this pigs in a blanket, all this stuff needs to stop right now. And you need to get together and unify for the good of the city, for the good of the country. And when we come back, everybody, we are going to talk to conservative commentator Dinesh D'Souza to get his take on President Biden and how he's doing, not just domestically, but on the foreign policy front, too.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: And welcome back to The Rita Cosby Show. Well, the world is on high alert because Russia continues to amass troops and hardware near Ukraine. And our next guest says this clearly shows Biden's incompetent foreign policy weaknesses and also really focuses so much not just on this, but also on China, Afghanistan and so much more. And our guest is Dinesh D'Souza. He is a conservative commentator. He's also an author. He's a filmmaker. And he is the host of a great daily podcast called the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Dinesh, um, you know, you put out a tweet today. It was so powerful. Russia wants to take Ukraine. China wants to take Taiwan. Biden wants to take a nap. Explain.
11: Well, the um, kind of... um, Uh, sluggishness of Biden is, you know, something that Americans have noticed, but the world has noticed too. Uh, And the sluggishness that you see in the man is reflected in a bigger way in the sluggishness of U.S. foreign policy. Look at the just bungling incompetence of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the horrific images of people falling out, out of planes, Americans left behind, So the Russians have taken notice and said, hey, listen, what this means is that the United States does not have either the will uh, or the appetite to block us if we do our will in the Ukraine. And, of course, uh, China is having the same idea with regard to Taiwan. Let's remember in both countries that Russia believes that Ukraine is really part of Russia. In fact, it was part of Russia in the old Tsarist days. And uh, similarly, China believes that they're not, quote, invading Taiwan. They believe that Taiwan has always been part of China. Look, the Taiwanese are Chinese. So these are very powerful countries claiming, if you will, other territory as, quote, their own. And it requires a very shrewd and effective foreign policy to deal with this. And I'm just not sure Biden is up to the challenge.
1: Let me ask you, Dinesh D'Souza, do you believe some of his messages um, and also even when he came out last week and said, you know, if a minor incursion happens basically by Russia, it's no big deal or or we'll figure out we won't do anything at that point. Um, How much do you think that hurts, that weakens not having that position of strength?
11: Yeah, you know, I think that the um, there's a tremendous sense of vacillation. And, and, and the vacillation is reflecting the fact that in America you have two camps, which are both, in my view, uh, extreme. The first camp is the kind of warmongering camp. Um, the former U.S. ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul, he's like, listen, this is, uh, this is like the line in the sand, you know, essentially Ukraine occupies the same position that West Germany occupied in the Cold War, basically implying that, you know, this is basically, this is where we get ready for World War III. So this, to me, is, is absurd uh, and unrealistic and not pragmatic at all and on the other extreme you have people who say again with great sincerity who cares about the ukraine you know that's thousands of miles away let's go deal with our own southern border and i think that that while i can understand that sentiment it does miss the fact that we do live in a dangerous world and there is power politics whether we acknowledge it or not So for the United States to look the other way is going to encourage global gangsters to say, hey, listen, we can start invading countries one after the other, because, I mean, what starts with Taiwan may next be Japan and may next be South Korea, may next be India. Essentially, the whole kind of balance of power in the world begins to shift away from us. And so, to me, one should not be caught between the two extremes of warmongering on the one hand and doing absolutely nothing on the other.
1: How about the waffling of this administration? And just as you said, the sort of lack of energy, does that send a message of weakness to our allies and also to our adversaries, most importantly?
11: Yes, I think it does. I think the fact that we were not only selling out our Afghan allies, but willing to leave Americans behind, and think about it, that didn't even happen in Vietnam, that I think sent a, a kind of a real message around the world that America does not look after its own. See, when I was growing up as a kid in India, I always thought, you know, the American passport is better than anybody else's passport, because if you're an Indian citizen and you get lost in a foreign country, there's no one to help you. But if you're an American and you get lost in a foreign country, then you can just call the U.S. Embassy. They're going to get you out. They're going to send people to get you. So this idea that America takes care of its own has been a staple of the world's image of America for a long time, uh, until now. The other thing I want to mention is this whole uh, display of the woke military, you know, ROTC cadets, you know, males being forced to put on red high heels and march. All this kind of nonsense makes us the laughing stock of the world, makes our military look ultimately like it's not really about even fighting and readiness. It's ultimately about political correctness and trying to do virtue signaling. So I think other countries, which used to have a kind of decent respect for the power of America, now basically view America as a, as a society in decay, with the military reflecting that decay.
1: And what a sad commentary that is, you know, because you and I both love this country, Dinesh D'Souza, and it's heartbreaking to hear that. Uh, you know, you talk about Afghanistan. You also touched on China. Um, I want to ask you, how devastating do you think it is that the world is seeing the president not pushing on China, on COVID? Um, we've got the Olympics coming up around the corner, and yet, you know, he seems to not be pushing this matter, and it's the worst virus we've seen in modern times.
11: I mean, this to me is um, almost unimaginable. The idea that you've got a not only a global pandemic, uh, a giant number of deaths worldwide, a large number of deaths in the United States. Um, and you've got a pandemic that has a virus behaving in weird ways. I mean, normally with viruses over time, the viruses become less potent. That's sort of the, almost call it the virus pattern, if you will, but not with COVID. Um, Uh, We have a more infectious variant than we've had before. And so you would think that there would be increased intensification to figure out how we got this virus. Where did it really come from? Was it in part engineered in a lab? Did it get out accidentally? And yet there appears to be almost a kind of chilling lack of curiosity. And I think on the part of the Biden administration, there is a genuine uh, concern that this guy is compromised with China. He's always defensive when it comes to China um, and, and also the paradox with regard to the Ukraine that I think is being noticed but not enough is that although Trump was called, you know, Putin's puppet, oh, Trump is going to be at the bidding of Putin and so and
1: on. And D'Souza, thank you very, very much. We have a hard break. Dinesh Souza, thank you. And we're going to take your calls after the break.
0: Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
1: And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful groundbreaking ceremony taking place in a matter of days that will lead to a new home. In Madison, Alabama, for a wounded veteran. The new home has resulted from the collaboration among great musical artist Lee Greenwood, known for his anthem God Bless the USA, the local developer in that area, and also the founder of an organization called the Helping a Hero Home organization. Now, the home for Staff Sergeant Michael Brown is one of two Helping a Hero homes awarded at the All Star Salute to Lee Greenwood. Brown and his parents, uh, Brown and his wife, rather, are the parents of a 15 year old daughter. And in 2007, Brown's military police unit was deployed to Mosul, Iraq, and it was hit by a grenade. The charge burned through the truck's armor and completely severed his left foot above the ankle. Ultimately, he sadly lost his leg. He received numerous medals, including the Bronze Star and the Purple Heart. And workers are now adapting his new home to have needed features that will restore his much-deserved independence, and how beautiful to hear of this story honoring and supporting our great heroes when they're in battle and also, of course, when they come home. Well, speaking of battle, Joe Biden is dealing with a lot of battles, not to mention the sinking poll numbers. We were just talking to Dinesh D'Souza, the great conservative commentator and also filmmaker and author, who is giving us his take, that he just feels that Biden is floundering all over the place. He brought up, obviously, what happened in Russia, the the recent misstep. We're going to get to that in a moment because, boy, was that a blunder. Also, Afghanistan. Also, the fact that he hasn't pressed China on the coronavirus. There are so many issues. And if you look at some of the new poll numbers, boy, is Joe Biden having a tough time. There was a new poll recently that came out. And on Fox News Sunday, it essentially said that 60 percent of voters, and this included also Democrats and independents, were asked, who would you want for president? And 60 percent of them said they would want someone other than Joe Biden. Things are so bad that even NBC host of Meet the Press, Chuck Todd, said this about President Biden.
9: President Biden's news conference on Wednesday was designed to kick off a second year reset of his presidency. Cap recapture his political identity, if you will. But our our new NBC News poll suggests Mr. Biden does need a reset because he's lost his identity a bit. He's no longer seen as competent and effective. He's no longer seen as a good commander in chief or perhaps most damaging as easygoing and likable. In fact, just 5% of adults say Mr. Biden has performed better than expected as president one of the many lowest, firsts, and fewest in our poll.
1: Wow. What do you attribute that to? And also, we might even be on the brink of war based on some statements he made kind of recently by not putting his foot down with Putin. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And Chuck Todd was talking about his temper, that people said, you know, look, he ran on being the unifier and... In just uh, maybe a few hours ago or so, he gave another example of his hot temper, and I think people, when they see this, boy, he's been like blasting Fox, blasting even it was an NBC reporter uh, in the past too as well, and tonight, boy, he made a doozy. Take a listen. Because here is Peter Ducey of Fox News. There was a briefing about inflation. That's another big issue, of course, facing this president. And it was about inflation. So Peter Ducey was throwing out a question about inflation. The president didn't like it. And take a listen to what he said about Peter Ducey that I think he didn't think was going to be heard, kind of like the minor incursion comment. He just kind of has no filter. Take a listen. Do you think inflation is
6: that's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son
1: of a. What a stupid SOB. Wow. That's what he said right into the microphone. It's like, I think he's losing his temper. He's losing his cool. He's clearly losing his poll numbers. And he's got a lot of trouble because at this time, There are 8,500 U.S. troops that are sort of on high alert, ready to potentially be sent over to Russia. And former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says that Biden's got a big problem with Russia. And a lot of it comes down to the way that President Biden has handled foreign policy since he's been in office.
9: I think they don't see President Biden as credible. I think they see all this talking, these pieces of paper being exchanged as not credible. They don't do the right thing. They don't protect the American people.
1: And how much do you think, because I think a lot of it also deals with his comment that he made during the news conference last week that Chuck Todd was referring to, because remember this moment during the news conference, this was a huge mistake. When President Biden basically said, Oh, if it's a minor incursion, we may not, we're probably not going to do anything Russia. And lo and behold, Russia almost minutes later starts moving its troops more and more towards Ukraine. And basically, you could tell that they are preparing, basically, to go in, possibly even within a matter of hours, a matter of days. This is the comment that everybody says they cannot believe the President of the United States did by giving basically a green light to Russia.
6: And so I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine and that our allies and partners are ready to impose severe costs and significant harm on Russia and the Russian economy.
1: And then at the State Department today, the big question was, well, what are you going to do about Americans? Because they basically have already said Americans do not travel to Ukraine. Not that you would be thinking of going to Ukraine right now. I've been to Ukraine. There's some nice cities in there, but this ain't the time to go. Um, But also they're pulling out U.S. embassy personnel And the same question was asked, basically, remember from Afghanistan, hey, how many Americans are there? You know, how many are you pulling out? Remember, say there was 100, and it turned out there were thousands upon thousands, and there still are some there that are trying to get out. Well, this is what the State Department spokesman had to say about the number of Americans in Ukraine. Take a listen to this exchange.
12: Our goal uh, always is to provide you with timely uh, and accurate information. And right now, uh, we do not have uh, an uh, account that we consider to be accurate uh, of the number of Americans, private Americans, uh, who are resident in Ukraine. And I'll tell you why. You've heard this in the context of Afghanistan, but when Americans travel overseas, uh, they of course are not required uh, to register uh, with the embassy in-country. Uh, We always encourage Americans to register when they're traveling abroad with our so-called STEP system, Uh, but I think as many of you can attest when you travel overseas, you you may not always do that, Uh, and some of you um, probably have never done that. Uh, Similarly, when Americans depart the country, uh, they uh, would need to deregister themselves. Uh, And so given that um, many may not register in the first place. I think it is a safe assumption that many would those who actually do register uh, may not uh, remove themselves uh, from that tally of uh, American citizens who may be resident in a foreign country.
1: Boy, was that a long-winded answer just to say, I don't know. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, your thoughts.
5: We're in a mess. Since 1917, the Soviet Revolution, America's been building, aiding, and arming them. Money transfers, we built factories for them. Ford Motor Company built the Kama River Truck Factory. Those are the trucks that are in Ukraine now, and before that, they were in Afghanistan. And then World War II, again. We built the Soviets. We gave so much aid to the Soviets because of communist agents in our government. They ended up with uh, China. They ended up with Eastern Europe. And then after that. So Jimmy, Jimmy,
1: but I want to ask you just because I want to stay focused on Biden. What are your thoughts on how he is handling it now or just that misstep? I think I, I just feel it's it's not a you don't get a sense of someone who is keeping bad actors in check.
5: Well, he was put in office by a group connected to China and Russia, Council for a Livable World. That's a spin-off of the Institute for Policy Studies. Look up Institute for Policy Studies, people. That's a KGB front group. This is what I'm saying. And then we built up communist China to counter the Soviets. So it's like having brain cancer. The doctor gives you lung cancer to counter the brain cancer. We built up both enemies, which are one. It's the communist movement. Now, what if... What if Putin—because it looks like Putin's going to evade. That's 100 percent looks like that. What if at the last minute he pulls away and our media promotes Biden as a great statesman and everything, Biden's numbers go up? The Soviets, the communists, would like Biden to stay in office. They'd like his numbers to go up. They could do it. They've been doing deceptions. Our country never looks at the entire picture and all possibilities. By the we way, Jimmy. By the way, Jimmy,
1: that's an oh. interesting point. You know that that it could be sort of a, a manufactured incident to kind of keep them in, because you're right. They would much rather have you know a soft Biden um, and a malleable Biden. Than a tough Trump who was saying, you know, okay, if you do this, if you do that, I mean, Biden has given China a pass. Um, So far, he seems to be quite soft on Russia and he's made it clear that a minor incursion isn't going to be a big deal. The only thing he can talk about is sanctions. And right now it doesn't even look like Germany and other countries are going to be on board. Um, So it's just talk at this point. So, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of empty promises. It looks like at this point. Um, Let's go to Stan in Forrest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about this. Go ahead, Stan.
9: And you still have that brain-dead idiot on with those comments. Unbelievable. Wait, you you didn't like the last caller? Come on. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. I I told you about this guy. He's nuts. All right. So
1: give give us us your thoughts, Stan. I don't agree with you, but give us your thoughts.
9: All right. Here's the point. This is not about incursion. This is about the Ukraine going into NATO. Putin does not want Ukraine in NATO at any cost. This has been on his mind for the last five, six years. No question. This is the main. So I think he's going to put the hundred. He's got the hundred thousand there. And by the way, the president had a meeting today virtually with about eight or nine countries. All of them are putting in troops. There's missile. They're sending in aircraft and so forth. So there's no bluff here. So I believe he's going to put the the uh, people in, the soldiers and so forth, and so. See,
1: I don't think, Stan. I don't think at this point he's going to put anybody in. Oh, in fact, I he's. Do. Oh, I I, do. I I actually don't. Do I not. mean, they they've even kind of indicated that they will maybe train them, that they'll supply them. I think he's going to do anything he can not to, but I don't think. I don't. I think a lot of it is just like you know, trying to show a show of force, not just him, but other NATO members. But the problem is he already kind of said where the red line was the other day, Stan. I mean, he already said if a minor incursion happens, no big deal. You can't say that to a dictator like Putin, you know.
9: I believe he'll send the troops. I believe uh, the other countries will send Uh, troops as well no and 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 by the way i'm not saying they
1: won't send their troops dan i'm what i'm saying is going in there's a difference by like kind of having them in the neighborhood i think he'll send them to the neighborhood but i I don't think think he'll put them in
9: i think he's going to go in i think he's talking to the pentagon and defense department and telling them go in and again putin wants uh ukraine out of it that's the main thing if he can get a commitment, that's what he wants from... Uh, but don't you Biden. think President
1: Biden should... Have, first of all, and I hopefully Biden hasn't done that yet. We don't know. I mean, who knows? By the way, somebody should ask him that because he'll probably come right out and say it. He says anything else he thinks, too. He's already, you I'm know, said, he
9: said... I'm glad what he said to uh, the uh, uh, Fox guy. I, I you're glad?
1: You're glad that he said yeah, that absolutely. to the Fox that reporter? An
9: idiot. He always was. Oh,
1: Stan. Stan, how could... First of all, it. this is a president who rode on being unified. Republicans
9: don't want to be unified, and neither does Fox. Well, that's not true.
1: Guess what? I think I I, I say, Stan, I say, I say kudos. Stan, I say kudos. By the way, thank you for the call, Stan, because I always love your calls. You always got spirit, my friend. Um, But I say kudos to Peter, because more people should be asking questions like that. And by the way, at the last press conference, there were a few people asking tough questions. It wasn't just Fox asking the questions. And if it wasn't Fox for asking the questions, everybody would ask him what kind of ice cream he's having. You know, I mean, at least Peter's at least acting like a journalist. The other ones are acting like a bunch of sycophants. You have to treat presidents equal. And there's no way that you can tell me that they're giving equal treatment. And this is a president who said, oh, he's going to be above it all. You know, he hates the way that President Trump treats the media. He hates the way that President Trump bashes the media. And then he's the one who's basically swearing, saying, you know, Peter Ducey's an SOB and then saying something about another reporter the other day. If you think that those are tough questions, those are fair questions. If you can't handle that, you shouldn't be president of the United States. I mean, are you kidding me? We may be on the brink of war. We may be dealing with something very serious right now with Russia, maybe with China. I mean, there's so many of these issues, and you can't handle a tough question? Are you kidding me uh, that that's a hard issue? That, that's even scarier if he can't handle the heat of that then uh, no wonder he can't be dealing with Putin. No wonder he's having a hard time dealing with China. If he can't handle Peter Doocy, what are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
1: And this is Rita Cosby. If you are self-employed or a business owner 50 years or older, you really are going to want to listen to this message. You are probably overpaying thousands and thousands of dollars a year on payroll taxes. That's the Social Security and Medicare taxes that you have been paying in for yourself. Stop wasting money on FICA taxes. Find out If the dollars that you are continuing to pay into the Social Security system will actually do anything for you, schedule a call with a Social Security expert and RSSA, a registered Social Security analyst. Only an RSSA is trained to help self-employed individuals save thousands and thousands of dollars a year in payroll taxes today while still complying with IRS-mandated reasonable compensation rules. If you are self-employed and over 50, an RSSA will make sure that you pay the least amount of taxes each and every year that you continue to work between now and your retirement, and in addition, make sure that you maximize your future Social Security retirement benefits. You gotta speak to an RSSA. If their team of RSSAs can't save you thousands of dollars a year, they won't take on the engagement. So mention WABC and save $300 on your personalized self-employment tax and retirement plan. That's a big deal of $300 that you could save. So go to rssa.com, that's rssa.com, to learn more and schedule your initial free 10-minute consultation. Again, go to rssa.com.
0: Rita Cosby is on.
1: It's more than a feeling that Putin looks like he's getting closer and closer to invading Ukraine. And it's more than a feeling that Biden is tanking in the polls and people are going, uh-oh, boy, he doesn't really feel like he's in charge. This is a dangerous time in the world. And you have a president who is kind of given a pass to China. Definitely messed up that withdrawal out of Afghanistan. And certainly it looks like giving a pass to to Russia. Remember the quote, minor incursion, he won't do anything? I think that statement is coming back to bite him. 1 800 848 9222. 1 800 848 9222. Let's go to Charles in Woodbridge. Go ahead, Charles, your thoughts about this.
5: Yeah, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I lost all respect for Joe Biden and Kamal Harris when they were on the television and they said that the country was racist. My son's in the Navy and the thing is, I was in I was in Naval Reserve. I know what it is to have the government back in the military because I was in Desert Shield, Desert Storm. George Bush the first one was our president. He doesn't back the military. Joe uh, Kamala Harris doesn't back the military, and they're playing with our sons' lives. If he's going to go into, you know, if he's going to go into uh, Russia, I, I, uh, Ukraine, name? Um, Ukraine, yeah, Ukraine, yeah. Vladimir Putin knows that he's weak. And he's he's going he's he's, he's uh, gambling with our kids' lives is what he, he's the point that I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah, and also you know after Afghanistan, I really think that that hurt us tremendously, Charles, on the world stage, because people saw that and they had the impression that okay, well they're kind of all over the place, they're going to leave Americans behind. It sent so many mixed messages, and it just showed I think weakness, and I think that many many. Leaders are very, very concerned. And when you're dealing with somebody like Putin, who is just unstable all over the place, uh, clearly wants to claim this territory for his own. And then you got a president in the United States who just telegraphed to the world that a, quote, minor incursion won't really have any repercussions. Uh, That's going to be a scary thing. That combination, I think, is really, really dangerous. And it comes on the heels where he's dealing with so much domestically. And then he's got the we got the Olympics coming on China. I mean, there's just all these things. It's a very uncertain time. Let's go to Willie in Central Jersey. Willie, your thoughts? Go ahead, Willie.
4: Hi, Rita. Uh, I just want to make one point that there is no rhyme or reason why we should shed any American blood over there, and this imbecile in the White House is causing a lot of strife for a lot of Americans. And I I wake up in the morning and I fear that this guy is going to engage us in the next world war. And now China sees that we're weak. You know, Putin is going to flex his muscles because he was afraid of Trump. And this imbecile and that Vice President Harris, forget about
1: it. No, you're right. They're sending just uh, signals of weakness. Oh, we'll talk about it. Well, when you're dealing with thugs you at least have to have extremely strong rhetoric. Putin sends weakness, China sends weakness, and a lot of other people do too. And that is really frightening. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show.